0: Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises, one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. I'm Alex, and I'm Britton. Uh, this week we're doing our, our our big Thanksgiving special. That's true. Gather around. and what and a cheery, uh, you know, just bright, optimistic film we've picked. I believe we mentioned Buckle Hats on the last episode. I don't I don't remember how that came up or what the context we was. We did, but. Yeah. We got some of this movie.
1: This is this is a movie about settlers dealing with something we... they're not prepared for.
0: Colonial settlers. Um,
1: uh-huh.
0: Uh-huh. I am sick and full of Dayquil and have been screamed at by a toddler for some amount of time tonight. Uh, and I'm ready to talk about a Robert Hecker's film. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think you did actually the most prep work a person can do for one of his his films yes um yeah i uh thou thou is right tyler and um, this movie is also it's spelled the vv itch so people call it the vv uh which i will probably do unconsciously but it's a fun movie i like it Fun. it's not fun <laughs> Well, parts of it are kind of fun, but I do like it.
0: <laughs> the quotes on the poster of, of you know, uh, breathtaking debut uh, yeah, yeah. exploration of the psyche of early colonialism is, is one of the reviews. Another right. one's like incredible performances from a, uh, you know, very strong cast uh, put
1: in desperate circumstances and then just, it was
0: pretty fun. I liked it. <laughs> it's a
1: fun movie. I like <laughs> um <laughs> i fall i fall into loops sometimes um yeah Alex, what are the scores for this movie
2: yeah so this week we're doing the vavich directed by robert eggers from 2015 it has a 90 percent critic score on rotten tomatoes and a 60 percent audience score uh, yep, that, out. that makes sense to me uh just as a reminder uh uh around thanksgiving time we do like weird art house messed up movies for the most part
1: so Not art house but definitely messed up well i mean you know i don't know what art house means but i don't think it's this i mean i i don't know what it means is there <laughs> anyone who is
0: as good at sort of the uh audience below i guess i don't know what the northman did actually i was gonna say the beloved by critics but like Super polarizing audience. I I did see at least for the critic
2: score, it, it it was uncanny. The Vavich, um, the Lighthouse, and the Northman all have a ninety percent. Oh wow! Oh wow!
1: Yeah, that's awesome.
2: That I've not seen that before. The Northman
0: yeah. and the Northman has a sixty four percent audience score in twenty twenty two values. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, yeah. But yeah, like I don't think there's a lot of directors who get that. Like usually if that's you know, there's, again, like, the art house thing. Like, you can find movies where it's like, ah, oh, this is probably something that most audiences aren't going to watch. And if, like, a casual audience person who doesn't is not really into that sort of thing is going to watch it, they're probably going to be like, I don't like this. But Eggers has, like, a high profile.
1: Yeah. <laughs> he, he keeps doing
0: this. So Well, I think that part I mean, of it
1: is he he keeps making movies that seem like they re- will be more, yes. more broadly accessible because it would be very easy to market The Northmen as, like, just a violent Viking action movie. And people love that. And for this to be like, oh, it's like a, you know, colonial. Because I remember I knew some folks and I worked at a movie theater who worked there who went to go see it. And they all hated it. And one of them was like, it's a very uncomfortable movie. And I was like, you talk like a baby. Don't stop that. <laughs> stop it. <laughs> but I, I think it's it's one of those movies where it would be very easy to walk into this. I think Hereditary had the same experience of like people kind of think they know what it is. And they're not wrong, but, they, but it's presented to them in a completely different way. And I think a lot of audiences, which are who are, is not a wrong thing to be. The horror movies that they respond to tend to be like your jump scares, your Slender Man's. If there's like somebody on the poster with their eyes scratched out, and there's a lot of like quick cuts of someone screaming and all that crap. Like I shouldn't call it crap, but it's not usually what I go for. Well, and
0: like you have movies where you, I mean, most. Horror movie is. I mean, it's the the final girl trope, or right, like, yeah, right? I mean, I I have not seen a lot of the more modern stuff like Conjuring and things like that, but yeah. you you find somebody to attach to as a protagonist to be like we're, we're rooting for this person mm-hmm. to be successful in whatever they're dealing with, and we we want them to like we they 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 present as a character you can root for. Where yeah. I think there is one in this. I think that in general with Eggers movies, the characters are a lot more kind of gray and human and yeah can be kind of like i don't know what what the the path i'm looking for here is in terms of what i'm hoping will happen throughout the movie like i can't even yeah project because i'm like
1: i don't know what any of these characters are or if i even like them yeah i think a lot of people go into a lot of horror movies just wanting to like the fun scares they don't necessarily want a fun horror movie in the way of like a campy yeah, crazy horror movie, which I I that's the other end of the spectrum that I like. Where it's like no, it's not really scary. It's just nuts. Right. But a lot of those audiences tend to look at those movies as being stupid, and they don't understand that that's kind of the point. Um, like a Army of the Dar- Army of Darkness or something. And then you have a movie like this, which is I, I think a lot of these audiences too go. Well, this is scary in a way that that I don't like. This is scary in that it's unsettling and it's dark and it's depressing and it's like it's actually making me confront all these feelings and something like slender man may not necessarily do that it, it's the much lighter version like oh i'm scared sure. <laughs> but now i don't i'm not going home with baggage from from that experience necessarily for some people it might and we should have done it, a double feature of the Vivich and bye-bye man <laughs> Bye, yeah, yeah. Right. um wish upon and as the other one and uh, yeah uh, what's it the gallows now we're talking friend request um but i think that <laughs> that a lot of those movies they have their audiences and again it's not wrong but i think that that i weirdly have the flip where a movie like this scares me but it doesn't really depress me but if i watched like i i slender or something those movies would depress me because they the look of those movies is so usually so just bleak and grimy and like just kind of gross and there's no real like there's nothing that i've seen in, in the ones i've seen to like hook into cinematically or or aesthetically or atmospherically and in this or hereditary or midsummer yes it's very upsetting but there's something that i that makes me very happy about it in the way that it's made and in, it's something very attractive about it even if it's not like this is not necessarily a pretty movie but it's a very attractive movie i think it's a great looking movie um and so i i think that's part of it Two is just what what you want out of a horror movie, which you can't. It's not a wrong thing in that necessarily, but yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't want to come off as snobby and putting people down for liking certain types of movies or anything, because that's that's not fair of me. I just think that it's easy to come into a movie like this thinking it's going to be like, oh, a crazy witch attacks some settlers, and it's not really. I mean, it is that, but it's that in a much more, for want of a phrase, realistic, <laughs> grounded yes. way. Well, I think
2: it's interesting just because, you know, I, I don't know the, like, the context of A24, like, its inception yeah. and then, like, its growth. But this, to me, just in terms of, like, pop culture, feels like this is one of the big ones where it's like, oh, A24, they make, like, yeah the more serious, like, the, the super, like, well-thought-out, like, horror films that have a lot of artistry to them. Right. And they just kind of give them to these auteur filmmakers or just people that that may be up and comers but they have like a very distinct vision and it's not necessarily something that all audiences are going to like right um and because it's horror um most of the time they are made on the cheaper side which means they can make their money opening weekend and then no harm no foul if it ends up not working for everyone yeah um so i it's interesting just kind of looking at horror films because we don't look at them that often obviously we've looked at some like the bigger franchises um and we've looked at at a couple smaller films you know bone tomahawk is is half western half horror you know (laughs) it's basically a western film until it turns into a horror film right um but but like this it i I don't know this to me just it feels kind of like a big turning point in terms of like mainstream horror films this, like, it feels like one of the big ones, like this and Hereditary and just, yeah. like, the films around, like, 2015, 2017 of, like, starting to turn people and being like, no, there's other types of horror. It's right. not just found footage or, um, you know, cheap jump scares, like, that yeah. type of thing. There Ga- are... Pan- gasping in a tank top. Like, right. Like, but there is more you can actually do with this genre. And, yeah. Yeah, I, I really kind of like that. And I hadn't seen
1: this until fairly recently. Um, well, I think a lot of people would append those things to Slender Man and Bye Bye Man and whatnot. as like, oh, well, this is a, here's a metaphor for all this other stuff. And it's like you're kind of intellectualizing something that can't really support those theories. But you're not really prepared for these movies <laughs> and what they're doing. Yeah. Not that I am myself. Sure. Um, but... Yeah, and and I I think now maybe it helps cuz there's a little more awareness of what A24 is. Mm-hmm. It's a little more of a brand, it's a little more of a meme which is stupid. Um it's a little more of a of a known entity and so that might help people qualify themselves a little more before they go to see an A24 horror movie. So like, well, I know it's not going to be this per se. So Yeah.
2: At least this one um from what I remember, like it was fairly honest with the advertising. Sure. Um because, because the other big one, I think, and I, I think it was a twenty four. It comes at night. Oh sure, yeah. Where it's like everyone thought that I was like about a ghost or something. Like something was supposed yeah, to yeah. show up, and then like it's not that at all. Right. Um, I and I haven't seen the movie, so I don't know. Um, but you know, like the the, the Vivich and it follows as well. That's another one. Mm-hmm. That kind of like this was like a very interesting time for horror movies and just in terms of like changing the landscape of it. I don't know. It's time and place is
1: interesting to me. Yeah, no, I agree. So, Britain, have you done the synopsis yet? I have not. I have not. Well, there we the, go. The, the synopsis for the Vavitch, which reads thus in 1630, New England panic and despair envelops a farmer, his wife and their children. When youngest son, Samuel suddenly vanishes, the family blames Thomason, the oldest daughter who is watching the boy at the time of his disappearance. With suspicion and paranoia mounting, twin siblings Mercy and Jonas suspect Thomason of witchcraft, testing the clan's faith, loyalty, and love to, to one another. There's also the, another son uh, who's very, very good. Um, the, my,
0: my, my son, I will say, is named Sammy. Uh, and this is the second time this has happened to me where a baby disappears, the beginning of I uh, a, a, uh, I don't know what you call it. Not Basically, I'm thinking of The Leftovers. Yeah. Uh, yeah literally the, the first scene of The Leftovers. It's <laughs> also a child named Sam uh. <laughs> disappearing from a car seat during whatever happens in The Leftovers. I haven't finished it. I don't
2: know. See, this Um, is this is where me watching something in advance of everyone else comes in handy because I reached out in the the group (laughs) chat and I didn't want to spoil what happened because I normally like if you guys haven't seen the movie, I don't want to give like too many spoilers. but I was like, Tyler, just. The opening 15 minutes are rough, buddy, just, (laughs) just, you know, just take it at your own pace.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's really it's basically like. So this is actually something I want to get into right away because i think it kind of sets the tone for the movie and i'm curious what y'all thought um because i did like it uh and i think i want to talk about this in relation to stuff like uh, because we've done both hereditary and Midsummer, and i responded to Midsummer a lot better than i responded to hereditary similarly i think something like this hits me more i'm more immersed in something like this and more like invested in something like this than hereditary and i want to talk about why that is um but it is interesting because the movie basically, yeah, it has the scene early on. Uh, Thomas is playing with uh, her brother and, you know, playing peekaboo. And then he disappears out of the basket. She's like, what in the world? And then we, we see that there is a witch who has taken him. We don't really see anything, but it's clearly using him for some sort of ritual. Yeah. Sac- sacrificial ritual to do things.
1: There's a beautiful um, there's, shot when she looks up from the basket and you just see like one little like twig of grass or something shaking and you kind of hear footsteps. Um yeah. After the baby series. It's fantastic. <laughs> um But yes, continue.
0: But the, but we see like it's like oh there is a witch. Right, right. There is a witch no one else is seeing this. This isn't like a hallucination from anybody's. anybody. It's like there is a witch. Yeah. The movie is telling us there's a witch. Um I thought that was really interesting to immediately establish that cuz I think it could have gotten away with not showing that. And I'm kind of curious this this might tie into some of the other things the movies trying to do. Um because the other like the next time we see the witch is uh the young boy who we'll talk about goes into the woods and, and encounters her um in a particular form. Uh and that's like well into halfway through the movie, if not farther. Um and so like there's a there's a while where they could have played it as is there a witch? Yeah. Like what? It's an interesting choice because like dramatically that I think would be the, the, uh, the way to do it is to be like, yeah, what's what happened? What's the mystery? What's going on? Um, and then have that play that way for a while until we get to that reveal where I think really upfront, the movie's trying to make you, I guess it's almost the movie is making sure that you know what's really happening. Um, because that sets up the dramatic stakes and the fact that everyone starts turning on each other when you're like, no, there, n- there is a witch. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all like, <laughs> f- figure it out. Yeah. Um, it's a really interesting and kind of, I think immediately shows that the movies not really made to, I mean, like the movies you're talking about, Brian, it's not really made to entertain. It's, it's more made as a like artistic endeavor, um, which again is not, I mean, it's two different, two different reasons to make a movie um, And it's, it's one is going to work a lot better With general audiences than uh, With like hardcore Film buffs yeah. who are interested in, in kind of a new challenging experience
2: I can't wait to watch Napoleon And find out which one it is <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys hear there's going to be a four hour Cut of that movie that comes out That's, in Apple Does Ridley Scott have a four hour cut Of every movie <laughs> You really want to watch a four-hour cut of Alien
0: Covenant? I'm, I'm not. I'm just <laughs> assuming it's out there. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, I'm assuming if you went to him, we're like, hey, yeah, not do you requesting have a 4 hour...
1: yet? He's investigating.
0: Yeah, like, do you have a four-hour cut of? I don't know what what's what's the Matt last stick. The last. I was gonna say the last duel. Oh yeah. Or uh... I can't
2: wait for the four-hour cut of
1: House of good Yeah. <laughs> like it's. I think four-hour cut there. of a good year.
0: Uh, I think the man just likes filming things and he just keeps the cameras rolling and that's what he does all year long
2: I also i'll i'll uh i'll, I'll just say this and then we can move back to the movie i'm sorry um he i, I was also reading like some quotes because he's doing napoleon uh publicity stuff and um he was talking about like oh i think it's really interesting that in the span of martin scorsese going from the irishman to um killers of the flower moon i've made like four or five films <laughs> and i re- rag away ridley and, and my first response was yeah but were they any good wow <laughs> i liked the last duel house of gucci was fine i don't remember what else he made moving on <laughs> um i do <laughs> i do <laughs>
0: I'm sorry <laughs> like Ridley Scott just being like you can't keep up with me
1: that would be like <laughs> don't if, even try Marty <laughs> if like one of the guys if like the like a like a, a manager at like a single McDonald's went to a five-star restaurant in their city and we're like yeah okay I see what you made I just think it's interesting the time it took you to make that foie gras I made 30 hamburgers to, to be fair, you just don't
0: have the volume, guys. I it's just to no, be fair,
1: yeah, okay. Oh, I, I was just again. I was just
2: reading an article. He could have been joking. However, I've heard other interviews with him.
1: He may not have been. I, I adore that. Um, <laughs> I, Robert Eggers I, has made three films total. They got <laughs> okay. one still, I believe, released from Nosferatu. I bet it's going <laughs> to <Yes>. be good. <laughs> we should do that for the podcast. Watch the original silent Nosferatu, and then the Robert Eggers one. That'd be fun. Um, anyway, I think I to to answer your your prompt. I think that what's interesting is I was reading about how Eggers kind of wants a lot of the movie to be open to either interpretation. That is it a wit is it literal or is it brought on by sure. I, paranoia, isolation, and how isolation makes you go start uh, start hallucinating? Rotted crops are affecting their perceptions of things. You know all all this other business, but it does open with a fairly clear thing the movie is very clear about thomason is playing peekaboo and then the baby's not there anymore then we see a witch do the ritual with the baby so and like you said we it, it's not like it's not cut in a certain way where we're like oh is is this a story thomason is making up we don't know where we just know that thomason walked off with the baby and then reported the baby missing like right. we see that she didn't do anything and so i it's hard for me to find there are plenty of things in the movie that you can read as well with is this literal or figurative um, but then opening it's pretty I, I don't really know how else to read those scenes um, I I Personally do read the movie as being Literal um, The other version the other way might be sadder But that to me is that this one is scarier To look at it as, as literal um, And uh, Yeah I, I do kind of I do Respect the movie for if if that's the intention to Just be like here you go there's A there's a witch and this yeah. is gonna get Ookie
2: <laughs> Yeah, I I feel like in some movies that we talk about where uh things are much more straightforward, um sometimes we complain about like how information is doled out. And it's like, "Oh, you gave that away too early and that makes this yeah. dramatic beat later not work." Um one of the, one of the big examples I could think of is um in Rise of Skywalker, they do the whole fake out with Chewbacca dying. Yeah. <laughs> and then literally the next scene it's like, "No, he's not he's not dead. Kids, don't you don't need to cry anymore. You're fine." And then like 45 minutes later our our heroes realize, oh hey, he's still alive. yes And it's like that that yeah. that does not work with just pacing like a yeah. big movie. Nothing like that. about this achieves anything. but I I do agree. I think this is done purposefully to create that dramatic irony. And when Thomason is getting you know called out by the twins that they're you know claiming she's a witch I think everyone in the audience is supposed to be like, no, we know she's not. And that's what makes it all the more depressing because it tears the family down. It's not this ambiguous, Thomason may secretly be the bad guy the whole time and we don't know. When it's really like, no, it's kind of just she gets kind of corrupted at the end because her family like drives her crazy, basically. Um, I don't know. I I feel like all that stuff and just the conflict that occurs within the family— I don't think that would work quite as well in terms of just audience investment and being
1: in Thomason's shoes. Well, I think, again, it, it is is the goal to create a mystery or is the goal to create the, the tension of a mystery or the tension of dramatic irony? And I think that's right what it's going for. Um, yeah. I will say I, I really... This is, I think, was Anya Taylor-Joy's debut movie um, or, or one of them. I, I really like that this cast this is something you used to do a lot more in older movies, but everyone in it has like an interesting face. And I don't mean that as like a condescending joke. I mean, these are, these are very distinct looking people, like Kate Dickey and Anya Taylor-Joy and, uh, uh, Ralph Enison, Like these people don't look like other actors, which is cool. Right. Like I know yeah. exactly who they are. And Ralph Innocent's also got that fantastic voice. I don't know where my accent went when I said that, but he's got a <laughs> tremendous voice. Um, he was the green knight in the green knight. And Kate uh-huh. Dickey was Guinevere in The Green Knight. Obviously, they're both on Game of Thrones, too. Yeah. Um, and Nanya Taylor-Joy was in Thoroughbreds, and that's it. But I really just liked watching this this movie of like, yeah, you cast like a bunch of specific-looking people who are all really good. <laughs> I'm enjoying yeah. this. And the kid who played uh, Caleb is the older boy. Um, I think Harvey Scrimshaw is the kid's name, the actor. Great name. Fantastic name. Brilliant name. That kid's <laughs> really good in this. Uh-huh. And apparently Ralph Innocent was the one who handled most of his directing because he, like, has uh-huh. kids and, like, was coaching him with the acting and stuff. Uh, it really put off because I, I thought that kid was terrific. Like, the scene before he dies when he's, like, convulsing and shouting up to to Christ and then starts panicking and everything. Like, all of that I thought was just fantastic. Which is a uh, fantastic monologue that he has. But yes. it's even –
2: it's all the more depressing because he, – he, on the one hand, you're watching that scene and you're like, "Oh, he's he I mean, you can tell like, oh, he's about to die." Yeah. Um and within the logic of the movie, you know, he's talking about like, "Oh, Jesus is saving me. I'm going to go up mm-hmm. to heaven." And you're like, well, at least he escaped this situation. Right. (laughs) Uh, But then they immediately go, oh, that could have been the devil speaking through him. Like the devil (laughs) will lie and trick you. I'm like, oh no.
0: (laughs) I'm beginning to understand why it didn't feel good to live in Puritan (laughs) New England in the 1600s. Yeah. No, I,
2: the acting's just, it, it, it's all the more incredible to me just because Robert Eggers whole thing is like, I want it to be period accurate. I want the dialogue to be period accurate. And I love the little note at the end of the movie. That's like, yeah, this was pulled. like so much of the dialogue and a lot of the situational stuff was pulled from like records of like witch hunts and just like various documents from this time period. I'm like, okay, like he does his homework and like for, what could be a just stupid throwaway horror film? Obviously, this isn't. He's going for something else. Yeah. And so, like the fact that he puts in that
1: homework, it's like,
2: no, you can, you can. It emanates from the screen.
1: Oh, it's yeah. great. One that it's subtitled a New England folktale. Yes. Somehow <laughs> scary. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but like it, it, just feels so lived in, and
2: all the actors. I, I don't know if it was if they did like a ton of rehearsals or like what the prep yeah. work was like for something like this, but like they're able to get their mouths around that dialogue. Like yeah. it, it all works. Yeah. Yeah. I did have to have the subtitles on cause sometimes I just yeah. did not know what they were saying, but that's, you know, I spent a it's... lot of
1: time going, well, if they hadn't kicked him out with their pretty white collars, <laughs> John Snare. <Snow." laughs> <laughs> <laughs> Brit, you you <laughs> took a second to
0: adjust out of that facial uh, expression there. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> was to let yourself down easy to... <laughs> <laughs> I no I it's uh, the dialogue's so natural um I would I would love for Eggers to just be paid to do like a movie about Shakespeare putting on a play. Because I just want to know, like, what would that, what would that have been? Like, I, I, I trust you to figure out the dialogue here. What would that have sounded yeah. like? I want to know, like, how but that But also,
1: there's a wind to go. Yeah, <laughs> sure, sure, there's. I mean, they got fairies and stuff. Fairies. Good, you know? <laughs> God, oh, I bet he, if be he could, oh, I don't like when people do horror remakes of sweet things. But if Robert Eggers wanted to do a scary Midsummer Night's Dream, that I might be down for. Yeah,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Um but yeah, it is it is really well done. I, I mean, I think everyone in, in it is really good and like gets moments to shine. Um
1: the twins are creepy in a way I can't really put my finger on. And they're not <laughs> actually twins, which is wild. Oh. I don't think. They just really look like it. No. Oh the, yeah, they're not. Yeah, just twins looking at the are, actor credits, yeah. Yeah, the twins are creepy and like when they're all going to do the prayer over Caleb and neither of them can remember the prayer and you're like, are you are you being? Are you just kids who forgot something? Or are you being like brought over, and they just kind of evaporate, right? At during, when uh, them and Thomason I, are trapped, I think the, the locker implication locker. is that they're taken. Yeah,
0: yeah. When everything happens at the end, right, right. Uh,
1: but yeah, yeah, and I I think the dialogue works for being what what I believe is period accurate, but also still very accessible. Like I sure. never couldn't wrap my mind around what they were ultimately getting at. Like, I always was able to follow the dialogue, um, which is, which is impressive.
3: Yeah. Yes.
1: No, I... Yeah,
2: yeah. I, uh... There were just a lot of scenes where... It, I I agree. A lot of it was... You know, I still needed the subtitles to understand the fine points. Sure. But, like, overall, just, like, the messages being conveyed, it was very easy to, to kind of grasp that. And at least, yeah. like... I think the context of most of this, you know, just the setups of scenes was fairly clear. Yeah. Um, so even if like, I wasn't quite catching everything, it was like, okay, I get, I get what they're going for. And like and the they, actors are, you know, the
1: way they're conveying the dialogue, yeah. it's very clear what's going on. Well, and it doesn't hold your hand too much. There's not like a long title crawl about, about like 1630, new England, <laughs> witches are everywhere. Or so they think. And like, <laughs> they just kind of drop you in. and They're like, you'll figure it out. It's okay. Somehow the Vavitch has returned. <laughs> um, I don't know,
0: or I I like the fact that we don't know, I should say, what what really happened to make them be kind of excommunicated from the society of the people. I meeting. agree, yeah. Um, Ralph Innocent is kind of arguing something about pride, as we learn later yeah, on. He,
1: something sorry. about his, like, he was preaching too hard or something specific, maybe. It, it seemed like some kind of zealot or, yeah.
2: Zealot behavior
1: from him. Yeah, I think that's that's about all the
2: context they give. It, he seems to be religiously just too extreme for everyone, yeah.
1: so they just kind of push them all out. Which, to clarify, these are in Puritan times. <laughs> right, if that gives you any perspective on what Ralph Enniston's character is peddling in this movie. But
0: I I really... I think that... <clears throat> the The whole kind of underlying theme of the movie of, like, when you have these these frameworks where you're so over the top in terms of your like thinking about the world and like your mindset is so um like upset like the I think that one of the really key things in this movie is the fact that Anya Taylor Joy is constantly like she, she does she does uh, intimidate the uh, tw- Mercy the uh-huh. girl twin uh, a little and tells her a story that she's a witch, which obviously comes back to bite her. Um, but beyond that, she is kind of one of the more blameless ones in the entire movie. She doesn't really, in terms of like actual sin she is committing, she's like constantly praying. And like, we see her like, you know, trying to be, trying to follow the, the rules of the society, um, to like the best of her ability the entire time. And then like everyone still turns on her anyway. Um, I think all of that sets up really well with just the kind of, I mean, the bottle of the, this family, just the tension ramping up and ramping up and then becoming more scared and frustrated and angry. um, And, and the way that they're able to use these like things that they believe to turn on each other. And like, they're convinced that everything has to be coming from something that they are doing, that it's all, it's somewhere within the family someone is doing something wrong because things are going wrong. Um, I think it's... I really feel like Eggers uh, Eggers' movies tend to do a great job. Maybe not so much The Lighthouse, but this and The North Pole especially, do a great job of establishing how, like, it actually would not be great to live in medieval times or whatever, or, yeah. <laughs> like, ancient... Not ancient, but, like, right. earlier historical periods were not, like, oh, uh, yeah, you'd have freedom and be able to, like... You know, be I. You see, you see people on the internet do this sometimes. They're like, oh, I would. I think being a peasant in the fourteen hundreds would have been great." <laughs> like, I think Eggers' movies are a good sort of uh, cure for that kind of thinking. Of like, yeah. here is a very period or a very uh picture accurate. I don't know what word I am looking for there. A very accurate portrayal of this, and it is kind of horrifying. And like the way that I mean, the when you look at a movie that sh- that is about the witch trials or, or or something like that you would think like oh this is about uh that everyone going after somebody who's not really doing anything wrong and yeah they're just not conforming there's there's like a, a the whole thing about how they you know maybe have <laughs> i don't know i i think it's it it totally subverts any idea of what you would normally do with a story like that to instead be like, there is a witch. There's an actual (laughs) witch and people still turn on this random poor woman who is not
2: actually doing anything wrong. They shouldn't have put sin in her name. It's right there. Yes,
0: (laughs) yes. Um, And also, uh, she plays uh, a time-warped version or, or, or meld of... I don't even know what you call it. And last night at Soho, she she plays ah. alongside Thomas and McKenzie, which is weird.
1: That's true. That's oh, oh, true. Yeah, <laughs> I just kept yeah. watching the whole movie wondering why she didn't just get the sword out of the other dimension like she does in New Mutants <laughs> right. to kill the witch. Okay, I thought that was going to lead into like a Super
2: Mario's brother movie reference, but you led it in a better direction, mm. and I'm happy. Well, the
1: for Super it. Mario's brother movie would be the Luigi movie, right. and he's and already that's in like, the Super Mario Brothers movie.
2: And I'm I'm. Like ninety nine percent sure Anya Taylor Joy is not in that one, but I don't know for sure. Right,
1: right.
0: Is this her best performance?
1: I don't know because she's given a lot of good ones. Right, right. I, That's, I it's, it's, not it's been a, a minute since I saw Queen's Gambit. She is very good in that. My my thing about Anya Taylor Joy, and this is going this is this is going to be a criticism of the audience, not of Anya Taylor Joy. I think that a lot of audiences tend to regard interesting looking people who are visually fascinating as being more talented than they are because you like looking at them. Therefore they must be talented. This is why I think Timothy Chalamet is overrated. I'm not telling a joke. (laughs) I think that, and I think that's why a lot of French movies from the seventies are so beloved, but um, ironic considering my recommendation from later this year, this is this week today. God, I can never get the time, right? Um, We can cut this part. (laughs) Point being never, I think Andy Taylor Joy is a very specific-looking person. She's got this huge dark eyes. She's very old Hollywood in that way. Yeah, you know, she's very fashionable and everything. And she—it's very, very easy for a director to say, "We are going to give you uh, a role where we're going to put you in a lot of very specific clothing with hairstyles, and we'll get you to pose in a lot of ways, and we'll call that the performance." Andy Taylor Joy is talented enough to give a performance. And I, and I think Queen's Gambit drifts towards that a little bit occasionally, but she's still very good in Queen's Gambit. And I think she's very good in this. I, I think Anya Taylor-Joy is a very, very good actor who sometimes I think people just kind of stop at, well, she looks this certain way, and she looks great in all these clothes, and she does all the posing, and so therefore I'm convinced that she's giving a performance. Only Anya Taylor-Joy actually is. I just don't think people, people always see it, um, yeah. depending. And I think that she is in this. Um, I haven't seen Last Night in Soho or Northman yet. I haven't seen The Menu yet, but I definitely want to get there. Um, yeah, I think she's great. And I think she is really, really good in this, especially for like, if not her debut performance, a very early performance in yeah. her career. Like.
2: Yeah, just from what I've seen her in, I think uh, both The Menu and probably Split would compete with this, from oh, what okay. I remember. Okay. Yeah, because she, she is...
0: She is kind of the dual protagonist, I guess, in that movie. So whole sure, weird. she she shows up in a lot of things where, like, it's just I, I think she selects projects very well in
1: a way. Yes. That, like, she pops up in things and you're like,
0: oh, I, I think that's a cool thing, and she's in it. And she's I li- Jesse uh, said that I was
1: like, was she on the bear? And I was like, no, 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 she wasn't. But she <laughs> not should be. yet. Yeah, that would be um, great.
2: She. <laughs> so this is one of those cases where it's like you're gonna will it into existence and it'll be a good
1: thing oh yeah oh man she's killing that um so no i i I think she's marvelous in this yeah i i think she does a really good job with the
0: just i mean again talking about the fact that we know that she's not at fault early on in the movie and just seeing her being totally depressed about the fact that this that she was the one who was in, in charge of her brother when this happened like the I think all of that totally comes across in her expressions. Um, obviously, again, the dialogue she does a really great job with. Um, going along with that,
2: I really like kind of the the path that the relationship between Thomason and her mother, Catherine, takes. Yeah. Because I like, Catherine obviously is very hung up on, like, she kind of blames Thomason for what happens to the baby. Yeah. Yeah. But I like how at a certain point, just with all the craziness that goes on, like she kind of starts to let it go and is like trying, like trying to, yeah. you know, mend the fence. Um, I like how she's just like Catherine's not just like cartoonishly evil towards her the yeah, whole right. movie. Um, obviously, it takes a turn at the end because everything just goes nuts. Yes. Um, but I like. It felt like all the relationship building throughout the movie, even though people were just like turning on each other left and right, all of it felt realistic. It felt like, oh, these are just people that are stuck in a horrible situation and they just have no idea what's going on. Yeah,
1: I would like to see Kate Dickey play uh, a woman who just gets to be nice and friendly to everybody for the whole thing. She's terrific in Game of Thrones, but that character is is out there off (laughs) Um, her rocker. Yes. Yeah. So it it would be it would be good i do think this
0: out. movie i yeah i i agree alex i really like the i i think it, there's a really smart thing this movie does where somewhere around halfway or two-thirds of the way through there's kind of a turn where all the pressure goes back on the dad all the cra- pressure goes back goes yeah. back yeah. On Ralph um, and then that kind of totally reshapes the, all the relationships and like Kate Dickey has this monologue where she's like, I never meant to be this way. I just like, I never wanted to leave England. Literally. Like I just, I, I, I don't like the direction we've taken. Um, and, uh, Ruffin is sort of doesn't, eat. he's just like, I'm going to go d- d- do the crops. I'm going to go bad. sell your cup. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, I'm, like you just leave. I'm um, going to chop
2: wood to get my aggression out. Cause this is the only <laughs> thing I can do that satisfies me. Yes,
0: And there's a great, like, again, I think the way that it, packs all these characters together and then has them start to just feel the tension and of them being in the situation and then like having those be very like traditional family insecurities of like the dad feeling like he's not doing enough and then Thomas calls him out and yeah says the all you literally all you can do is chop wood. <laughs> like you're bad <laughs> at everything else. Um and the fact that he feels it all unraveling um and then we, but then we also see him like praying uh, when we see him kind of through all you take your joy's eyes where he's praying uh, because he feels like it's all his fault. And like none of the characters really, they all feel like they're doing it wrong and they don't understand how to fix it. And they're all so frustrated with each other. It's 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 such a like upsetting experience, but it's I think a very human uh, devolution of this family. Um I'm I'm sorry to drag
2: Ridley Scott back into this oh but it was bound to happen. Um uh, Britain if you want to bring in a Chicago Med reference as well like at any time feel free. Um if you've got one. Uh Kate Dickey, yeah, Anya
0: Taylor-Joy was actually like-
2: <laughs> God.
1: <laughs> Can you imagine? Turns out Anya Taylor-Joy played the engineer in Prometheus. It was really impressive. <laughs> R- Ralph Innocent, I was just gonna say Ralph Innocent would tear <laughs> Will Halstead apart on Chicago (laughs) Med. Will Halstead would be over there like, no, you don't understand. I've got all my opinions about stuff. And Ralph Iniston would just completely obliterate him. Go on, Alex. Uh,
2: Kate Dickey is in Prometheus. She is one of the scientists. I think she makes it almost all the way to the end. And then when the engineer, spoilers, uh, rips off Michael Fassbender's head and just like starts killing people. I think she's one of the people that dies in the third act. But she's there, and she seems like a nice lady. Well, that's good.
0: Maybe if she can be a nice lady who doesn't get murdered in some memorable way, uh, that would be good. See baby steps, Tyler. Yes. <laughs> she gets thrown out the moon door.
2: So. Let me remind you that, uh, let's see, which season of Game of Thrones does she die in? Like, season four? Yeah. All these projects we're talking about are from, like,
1: almost a decade ago, that's if true. not longer. <laughs> Did you guys find the movie scary?
2: um yes, but kind of in the way that you're talking about, not in the the jump scare, I'm yeah. startled kind of right. way right although there are a couple of moments of that. I think when the witch shows up like at when they're in you know they're all fenced in after yeah, the yeah. dad loses it and locks them in the barn, and the witch is just there mm-hmm. and like turns around and does a creepy
1: yeah you know energy that the cow
2: yeah a creepy laugh or whatever like that's genuinely creepy yeah um and like the whole thing like they they kind of show what's going on with the sacrifice of the baby at the beginning like that's that's genuinely upsetting but upsetting is the right word for it um so it, it it's not, it, it's scary but in a completely different way i yeah i i find this this whole thing unnerving uh yeah. <laughs> It's it's good to watch it a second time because it, it doesn't affect me as much as it did the yeah. first time. Yeah. But yeah, it, it still works very much as a horror film, not just like, oh, there's a lot thematically going on. There's just a lot of moving pieces. Obviously the production designs there and like the level of historical accuracy is there. Like just as a horror film, I think this works real, real well.
0: I think the, uh, it it does... It both gains and loses a traditional like way that you would have a horror franchise or a horror movie, you know, keep you unsettled. Because like it, you know, the Halloween is the oh, yeah. Michael Myers is still out there. Here is all the haunting shots of the neighborhood where he could be. He could be in your neighborhood. Uh, he's out there somewhere. Like you know, you can you can use a cliffhanger to your advantage if something's not fully resolved in a horror movie. Um, where this does kind of go through, okay, everything falls apart. And now Anya Taylor-Joy, to get to the very end of the movie, makes a deal with Black Phillip, who is apparently the devil. Uh
2: and I was I was going to ask if we had any alternate interpretations for that.
0: I do continue. Okay. Yes. But just basically she does is like, yeah, I want to be a witch. Be a witch. <laughs> uh, and the
1: Futurama joke, yeah. and so
0: then it does uh, we kind of move beyond where the point like normally you'd have I mean even thinking of like Evil Dead 2013 that we just talked about it's uh, Jay Levy walking away having survived this horrific encounter it's like traditionally you'd have uh, you'd have Anya Taylor-Joy like fight off the witch somehow and barely escape maybe there's a hint that it's still out there Versus this, where it's like all that happens, and then, yeah, she's like, "All right, I got nothing else for me here," uh, and, and moves on. So then I think that like it—it's sort of it's—it's it's, its own closure where you're not sitting there like, "Oh, well, is she gonna escape? Like, is, you know, like, what's gonna happen to her in the future?" It's like, "Oh no, she's yeah, she's just she's in, in the <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, and so you don't—you're not left with any like plot threads. You're just like, "Well, that was a horrifying experience," but she does go floating into the air whether hallucinatorily or not. True. And it's an incredible shot where the the, the firelight is flickering as she's lifting up and so the shadow keeps deepening on her face as she turns
1: around. And she's cackling. Um and then Taylor Taylor is Joy, like very scary chanting in the back.
0: Yes. Anya Taylor Joy with the the way she looks, I think, does is really able to pull off both like a um like a high school cheerleader like yeah just like kind sweet. of sweet yeah well I'm, I'm thinking of like a, a a vibe of like a i mean i would i would say girl next door but i don't think that's quite it. It's like like she could she can pull off someone who's like you know the 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 popular girl yeah you know that sort of thing a gwen um, stacy yeah yeah she could be a gwen stacy um but she can also turn that and be very menacing and, yeah uh Quite creepy as yeah, she does Flash this. Thompson. Um, there's there's some of that in uh, Last Man in Soho as well. Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh. I because I, I, I <laughs> Anya find... Taylor Joy is Agent Venom.
1: <laughs> she'd be a good <laughs> symbiote. I don't know all if, the symbiotes, yes, but she'd be a good yes, one. Yes, actually, yes. Um, I I I do find the a lot of the ending scary. Again, it's it's nerving, it's unnerving, it's taunting, it's all these other things. But towards the end, like. First, I will say of Black Philip the goat Great goat Oh uh-huh. man that is a well Cast goat it is this beautiful Long haired black Goat with these Crazy not crazy but like Menacing looking horns That it uses to gut Ralph Ennis and Kill him by knocking him into a bunch of wood Of his own uh, chopping uh-huh. Um, And Then when like the shot of The she just sees the hoof walking And then she sees the boot Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. A lot of that I find scary, like the voice and what's that, like the taste of butter and everything. But I, I, I almost feel like we see too much of Black Philip in that shot, and he's still largely hidden by the darkness. But I saw enough of him to say, is he a pirate? <laughs> is Black Philip just a pirate? Um, I, I don't know if Black Philip is literally the devil, or if he's an agent of the devil, or a demon, or what. Well, I don't know the hierarchies. Um. And where pirates fitted to that Exactly uh, Are they a sort of splinter group uh, But I, I do think that the, that stuff is is very unnerving Because it is the confirmation of everything And it is the No, she is now giving over fully to this extremely scary idea And then when she's going into the woods And you're hearing The sound in this movie is fantastic The sound mixing and everything is very, very yes. effective The the gutting sounds of Ralph Anderson getting stabbed are very effective but then, like, the way the, the the women chanting in the movie is mixing in with the the, the score, which is a sort of ethereal chanting, vocal, like, choir mm-hmm. uh, music coming in. And she's walking through the woods, and then you see all of these women just, like, you know, dancing and convulsing and thrashing around a bonfire. And one of them has a staff, and then you see them start to float. Like, all of that I find very, like, that, because I think because it's, it shot at a distance as well until you get the really close up Savanna Taylor Joy, it shot at a distance, so it is kind of like what if you were walking in the woods and you saw this? It's almost not presented like oh it's a movie. What's going on right. in the scene? It's like if you were just if you got lost one day, that's what you would see, and that's very very frightening to me. Um, and I I, th- I don't know if I've said this on the podcast, but I, I find like cults very scary because whether or not the thing they believe in is real, they think it's real and what they will do is scary. So even if you're at this point in the movie and you're like, I don't know if there's a witch, I know that those people think there's a witch and those people will, will do things. Um, so yeah, I find all of that very effective. I, again, it it's scary. is an odd thing to break down, but, but I, I, I think this movie gets pretty, gets pretty close to it. I think if I watched it, like the first time I saw it, it definitely hit me, but I also watched this movie with the lights on this time around for the most part, <laughs> uh, except for the ending. Because I think the movie is it's fairly grounded for, for what it is, that it, it takes a very grounded look at, okay, let's all take this as literal, that there's a witch. How would that look? How would that play? How would that sound? Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> uh,
2: Caleb's whole subplot about being attracted to his sister and then getting sucked in by the younger attractive witch um, freaked me out <laughs> well okay here's my read on that I don't
1: think that Caleb is literally attracted to her I think it is sure. his you know he's getting to that age and she's literally the only you know woman of that age right. it around and so I think it's more the curiosity because he's only ever looking down her shirt and not like uh, an 80s comedy but just kind of like noticing her and I think if anything that's supposed to show us how susceptible he'll be because when the witch appears to him, she's older than, than Thomason, but as this like buxom little red riding hood, uh, romance novel cover, basically. Um, and she's seducing him. And, and I really, when she kisses him, I think it's staged, right? Because it's very creepy. And then very quickly becomes like, it's creepy just long enough before it shifts into actual, like, whoa, movie, stop this. Because then you see the hand, which is an old, uh, like an old witch's hand, grab the back right. of his head and you're like, oh, she's not kissing him. She's like sucking his soul out. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, th- I think they play that the right way of like, she's seducing him, but it's a child, but she's a monster. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that all, that all worked for me. And I, and I, it is still uncomfortable, but I, I think it's all played that Caleb is having a more innocent experience of that. It adds to the overall discomfort of the movie, but yeah. that's how I read it. Well, then
2: it... it, it kind of feeds back into Catherine's paranoia and distrust of Thomason because she's like, yeah, were you seducing him? Like, what what, what you have you corrupting? been doing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just, I, I don't know. It, it's just a really well thought out and it's just really well executed. Like all of the details matter. Yes. And yet it somehow still has, even if it's a light, Air layer of ambiguity, like it's still like I don't know. It's just it's really fascinating how this is his first theatrical movie. Like I don't (laughs) like it. it, Yeah, this feels like somebody who's had like twenty years of experience.
1: You know. Yeah. When you set out to make a ninety-three minute movie, you cut the fat. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Just you make it all count. Mm -hmm. It works. Or or it it can work out in this case. I do think the movie is just shot very beautifully. Every shot of because they're in like a clearing, so every shot of the tree line into the forest is very haunting. Mm-hmm. And it's always I feel like maybe it's not always, but I feel like it's very often slightly panning up the trees give the slight sense of foreboding and scale. It's not just like a flat static shot. Um, there might be some I could be inventing this, um, but I, I, I there there's. Every scene of the movie there's always a sense of like something could go wrong very quickly. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it's going to be that a witch shows up, but like there's always something unnerving about any any given event in the movie that you're always a little on edge. And I think that's a tough thing to to manage in a movie to manage the tone like that. Um I will say in terms of people, because uh, I know this is kind of a thing.
2: Some people have like a golden rule of like if a if a animal gets harmed in a movie, I I I do not accept the movie. I reject mm-hmm. it. Um, we do see a dog with its guts hanging out.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's a brief shot.
2: It's yeah. a brief shot, but it you
1: you can it see it. there. Spooky <laughs> rabbit too, or a hair. Yeah, I was
0: gonna say this movie makes a rabbit spooky, and I'm like, how did you do that?
1: <laughs> it li- and it's literally just putting the camera on. Yes. the rat. Yeah. <laughs> it's not it's like. like- you're right, I am scared of that rabbit. It's not like yeah, <laughs> contorting it at all. It's just like, oh, the pupils. But it
0: but it keeps like showing up in weird places and um there's a really great setup and payoff where with talking about the dog and and that scene is that uh the rabbit is kind of what sets off Thomas and Caleb and the horse all getting separated. Um but uh earlier the they're trying to call for the dog's name is Fowler, I believe. Um, and they're trying to call for it, and it only responds when Ralph innocent blows his does like a a whistle for it. Yeah, uh, some sort of hunting technique whistle, um, where you you know you put your fingers in your mouth and you make a make it a really loud whistle. I um, mean, Caleb can't do it, and so then that's part of how he gets like stranded. Yeah, in the woods, is that he he's trying to call for the dog, and we've already established it, it doesn't really respond to anything except that. Um, I really like the how that whole plot line unravels uh of them going tracking in the woods and the dad sold the silver cup for uh hunting traps so that they could survive the winter they're like maybe try to catch the wolf um I don't know it, it it all I think gives a lot of really interesting texture to the part of the movie before things really go off the rails yeah um and yeah, it is upsetting that both both the uh, the dog and the goats, the other goats, you see them mutilated
1: towards the end of the movie. But yeah. I, I, mean, I think... think what happens to the horse. Yeah, I guess the horse just goes off and meets Harry Styles. Probably. probably. And uh, Patton Oswald. Yeah. From um, Eternals, <laughs> your favorite movie, Alex? Do you see it? I, look, I, I mentioned Ridley Scott multiple times. I had to know this was coming. Yeah, uh, I invoked um, Ridley Scott. Harry Styles is sure to follow. <laughs> um, but I think
2: you know it's <laughs> Harry Styles is Napoleon. <laughs> you
1: were, you we're probably closer to that than we think. I, um, um,
0: yes, probably. I think, I think it's, jumping from Harry Styles is Napoleon to baby sacrifice. I think uh, much <laughs> like the 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 baby at the beginning, it's like, it's not done gratuitously. It's not yes. like shock value. I mean, it, it, it's shock in the sense that it's like this is the world. This is this is what they're dealing with. This is right where they're at. Um, I think similarly, that's how like, they, and I almost kept. I was really. I think that is one thing I will say is that I, I was expecting one more push towards the end, something Mm. that really like crossed a, crossed a boundary and made you be like, Ooh, yeah. Um, because I like the scene where, uh, Caleb is convulsing and and ultimately, um, finally seems to find peace right before he dies. Uh, first he does throw up an apple that is rotten and that's very creepy. Um, and he does have like the way that the, the scars, the witch left on his mouth are set up is, is also pretty upsetting. It's like this, this ring, um, almost it doesn't look very natural it's it's strange um but I, I i was really certain like when he before he died i thought there was gonna be gore or like some sort of right, effect right. that was going to be really upsetting um I, I kept kind of waiting for something to tip because that it felt like that was gonna happen and i think the closest closest it ever really comes is um i mean we see the witch in the in the shed at night or wherever they are uh but doesn't we don't really see much of that except the aftermath, and then uh, when the dad gets rammed by Black Philip, see that as well. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I was thinking that there was going to be one more like thing that actually really like pushed a line to like be super upsetting, and if not necessarily gory, then like shocking. Um, you wanted Thomason like like, to, to cut off her
1: mother's head, didn't you? Sure. <laughs> Well, there is the, and this isn't quite to the same level, but there is a a shot of when her mother has the dream of her children being returned yeah. to her and nursing the baby again, and wakes, and then it turns out it was a crow that's pecking at her chest. Yeah, um, which isn't excuse me, cruh, but it's not. <laughs> it's not. It's not quite as as extreme or, 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 or gory. It's more like unnerving again. Yeah. Well, also in terms of like things
2: seemingly being a bit more literal um because you, you do get kind of the the morning after that happens and uh the dad gets up and walks away and you can see Catherine's yeah. like she's still got her um clothes on but it, like there's a a yeah. red spot right. on her chest um and it's like oh that
0: that that wasn't a dream <laughs> yeah deeply upsetting (laughs) yeah it's just a lot of things that are upsetting um and i think it's and i think that is the tone of the movie is that there's not really anything that's supposed to be like it's not really going to get you with gore it's more just like the implication of like here's some blood right here's some guts it was pretty you know that's bad um but kind of leaving a lot to the imagination but I, i was kind of expecting at least one moment that would that would shock me a little more. And I think maybe that's just like expectations going in from what I'd heard about the movie. But Sure. Um she does she does hack at her mom's face because her mom tries to strangle her because at the very end she is like
1: Alright, it was you. Yeah. I was right. That's, which, like, no, everyone else what? is dead. That, yeah. gotta be that, you. That scene of her like stabbing her mom in the head basically could have been a lot more gruesome yeah. than yeah. it is. Um, which I was I was grateful that it didn't go too far. There's a, a great shot of, of Thomason when she is being led by black Phillip. When he finally is like, yep, I'm here. She walked to the edge of the barn. It's a wide shot. And you see she's facing the goat. And then the goat just walks into the barn. It's very spooky. Yeah.
2: I was going to say just, uh, I do feel like this movie is far uh, above my, my, uh, intelligence level. Um, but just like, I, I think it's interesting. Like the moment where she stabs her mom, um, and, like, she continues to attack her. She's, like, uh, the the drops of blood are just, yeah. like, landing on her face. And it's almost like she's getting, like, baptized into witchcraft um, by doing that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like I said, the movie's far smarter than I am. Like, this, is, this isn't like my confusion last week with Birdman, or I'm like, do you really know what you're doing at the end there? Mm-hmm. I'm going to assume that it does. Cause the filmmaker is smart and everyone there is, is like top of their craft and knows what they're doing. Um, but this one is a lot more like, Oh, I can tell they're doing smart things and it's just <laughs> a way
0: above. It's way above my pay grade. <laughs> I just work here. I, I feel like it, it ultimately, cause I mean the, the story of the movie is basically that, uh, a woman is driven to witchcraft because she's in a, community that is so obsessed about the possibility of witchcraft that they don't, they just like immediately accuse her anyway. And it's like, well, if you're going to accuse me, I am, or tell me that I am, I might as well do it. And it is like, I was thinking at the end of the movie, she goes and she like, I kept kind of waiting for the movie to just end after she kills her mom and was like, where is it going to stop? Um, and she like goes and lies down on the table in the, the house and just like sleeps for a while. Um, it, I was thinking like, where do you, what do you even do? Cause like, if you show up back at the community and you're like, my family's dead, then yeah, they're probably also going to be like, oh, you're a witch. Right. <laughs> like, you know, there, there's no, uh, if you can even get back there because they're so isolated for everyone and they don't have a horse, but it's, I think really interesting how it sets up that whole framework of just like the way that societies like this will drive people to, become the thing that they're so terrified of sure because of what they're doing um because of how they how they act and how they make everyone act in order to try and follow those rules like it's a really interesting analysis of that i think um i think uh like the lighthouse is a movie that i am a lot more confused by (laughs) i'm a lot more like this one i think i can i feels it feels mostly like that's what they're going for and i think there are a lot of like again, we kind of talk about this with Birdman, like film theory uh approaches to it. To try to be like, here's my headcanon and It's like I don't, I don't. I think I think the whole idea of the movie pretty much is there, regardless of yeah what details you might try and take away, or if you think that they are hallucinating some of it. Like it's
1: all pretty much there. Yeah. Um, in one in one framework. So, no, yeah, no. I know. I I agree. I think it is it's fairly straightforward i think it's just this it's not laying it out as obviously as other movies do but yeah it's like a witch corrupts a family in her woods <laughs> like yeah is the even simpler version of it yeah
0: um i do want to talk about the little cult scene because i think this is where like for me comparisons to hereditary come in okay Yeah. um i feel like that Works a lot better for me than the end of Hereditary. Spoilers for Hereditary, <laughs> where, um, somebody <laughs> gets <laughs> taken into a cult. I forget
1: his name. Uh, oh, Alex Wolf's character.
0: Yes, Alex Wolf. There we go. That's what I was going for. Um, I think that one of the Naked Brothers. That's that is what I was thinking as well. Yeah, Alex Wolf. <laughs> that is my and Dick Wolf. Yeah, that's where I have it. him filed still in my.
1: <laughs> Come on, Naked Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta, we gotta play this dance,
0: and he does a drum solo. Yes. <laughs> um, I uh, I I feel like this does that more effectively for me in that it's, it's about the the single character's kind of journey into that and how they would be driven to that, versus hereditary. There's still things I I don't fully connected it's kind of like weirder to me to be like okay i guess the whole time he was being manipulated by a secret society um i don't know i i think that there's there's things there that don't totally click for me and there's like a lot of cult stuff that doesn't feel as it doesn't feel like it's laid out well enough for me to get maybe i'm just not maybe i i'm i'm too literal and i just want it to be more like upfront or, and it doesn't to me, versus something like Midsummer, where Midsummer is all about them kind of embedding into a cult and then realizing, yeah, you know, but it still ends kind of the same way of Florence Pugh self actualizing, uh, <laughs> yeah, gatekeeping girl bosses,
2: generously. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> well, I, I do think there's a bit of a difference because I want to say at the end, if I'm remembering correctly, and I haven't seen Hereditary since I the could also speak on this podcast. I don't think Alex Wolf's character makes a choice. I think he just yeah. gets exactly. possessed and like, it's completely taken out of his hands because mental
0: illness is hereditary. That's the theme. Yeah. I, I think. Yeah. And maybe that's, maybe that's something I'm missing there. I think part of that for me too, is that there is no person really left to kind of like, Exp, you know uh, th- feel the effects of that like there's nobody that you're left kind of being like okay well what does this mean what happens yeah. next like it's like well I, I don't i don't know any of the other people in this in this world versus like this it's like okay well Taylor Joy is joys a which the cycle can continue like that yeah. that that, and maybe that's you know something i'm missing with hereditary maybe if i went back and watched it um having i think some of that is that that's just a weird movie and you you know are gonna get caught off by a lot of off guard by a lot of things the first time you watch it um, so maybe I'd rewatch it and feel differently but I think I like something like this a little bit more where it, it's really about, it's character driven and it's it's focusing on like that particular person's journey where I think um, something like Hereditary bounces around a little bit more it's kind of focused on the mom, it's focused on the daughter and the son um, but that's interesting, I don't know, I, I think it's an interesting comparison because like you said Alex, they're all in that mishmash of like Oh, we could kind of do different horror movies. We can kind of it's make just them... an
2: interesting wave of
0: experimentation. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. I like it.
2: Make more, please. <laughs> what, what's the one that came out this year? Talk to me?
1: We should watch that. Cool. probably be upsetting. That might be a little more on the vein of like Smile, which is kind of in between. Sure. Um, which I like Smile. That's a good thing. Countdown is also great. (laughs) Differently great. And M3 What
2: are we giving the Vavitch?
1: Fantastic. I'm giving the Vavitch an A minus. I think it's very, very good.
2: See, I'm in an interesting place because I want to give it a flat A, but also I can't think of anything I, I found wrong with it. Right.
3: Hmm.
2: I think I find myself in a predicament.
0: I think I'm going to go a flat a. I think I, my, my reasoning is, is mostly just like, I really, really liked it. I think it's a really good movie. I think it maybe doesn't quite again, talking about some of that stuff of like, I think my expectations were that there would be some little extra dial turned in that third act. Um, and so i was kind of i was kind of expecting there to be not particularly a moment but like something that would really hit it home for me and be like okay this is the moment where i'm like i mean totally turned on it
2: what you Uh, wanted was was thomason to grab the rifle like get get the witch held up against the wall and she says the
1: buck stops here and shoots her in the head (laughs) that's what you wanted here's 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 thy uh, courtesy tap and then no no (laughs) she it's it's uh m- more like red philip and then she shoots. Him the <laughs> <laughs> wouldst Something thou else. like the test the taste of my boot up your and then she <laughs>
2: uh uh miss mr ramey this is also us doing our our once again our-, our pseudo pitch for the next evil dead movie which we would like to call evil dead six cruise control yeah uh, i'm I'm going to continue beating this drum. Give, I, give, I Let us I, do it.
0: I continue to think that Evil Dead set on a cruise ship is
1: the best idea. Let's that'd do be, it. That'd be a lot of fun. Call us. <laughs> yes. uh, recommendations. Yeah. Recommendations. Anybody got any? I have not Alex graded did, it Alex yet. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry,
2: Alex. I thought you did. How no. dare you. I, I think I'll go A as well. Um, I, I do agree, Tyler. I, I think there might be... There might be something missing there at the end. Just something to, like, push it over the top. I'm not quite sure what it is. The but, monster um, from
1: Cloverfield Paradox.
3: <laughs> just giant.
1: Just I, some I love
2: how you say the monster from just, cl- Cloverfield Paradox. Oh, right. Because that's man. And, no, no but, <laughs> no, but you didn't say the monster from Cloverfield. No, the one at <laughs> no, the no,
1: end of Cloverfield, Cloverfield. Paradox.
0: A giant thing that comes up and eats the no, guy the ship from cloverfield it's paradox crazy. crashes in 1600s new england <laughs> no i was gonna say is
2: this movie needed john goodman from 10
1: cloverfield lane this movie needed yes. uh the protagonist naru from prey <laughs> to do a crossover <laughs> the witch and prey <laughs> yeah going after the predator and the witch is like the enemy of my enemy is my friend or whatever and the witch is like the neutral party yeah. hey yeah they're they're threatening to make more predator movies we're pitching Evil Dead
2: Six. We'll pitch a sequel to Prey Get that's a crossover with the Vivich. They're making yeah. a new Karate Kid movie, which is a good idea. Naru yeah. versus Thomason. Let's do it.
1: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. I'm um, sell
2: tickets. <laughs> I will I will match, Tyler. I will match your A. I will Here yeah, we go. That 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 works for me for right now. And and it's subject to change. I could watch this again in a couple of years and be like, never mind. This is like one of my favorite horror movies. I, I think <sighs> It's it's close to that arena of being one of my favorites, but it's not it's not quite
0: yeah in that. Like, and I yeah. and I think the, in terms of like a debut, I mean, it's incredibly impressive in that. Yeah, I, I think that's what I, that's almost what it's like. Um, going out and doing something like that, uh, that's so stylistically interesting and so creative. Um, in like a, a pretty flooded. Uh, time period for horror movies and like trying to make noise for yourself and and make something interesting that sticks out and kind of can be that big hit like it's very impressive how tight this movie is and how good it is and how much it gets into and delves into and how it's just it's just super interesting very good
1: movie he thought about it recommendations yeah who's got one I can go. Please.
2: Um I watched or we watched. I've seen this movie. This is my second time watching it. Uh sideways. Ah. Uh from 2004. Mm-hmm. Um directed by Alexander Payne who has another film with Paul Giamatti coming out like yeah. right yeah. now yeah. around this time. Mm-hmm. Um I guess it's a dramedy.
1: It feels weird to say i don't really like that term that's just uh oh i heard the i heard the portmanteau romanticy today as in a fantasy romance and i didn't like it yeah I.
2: Right. um yeah basically it's it's uh paul giamatti and thomas hayden church like going on a road trip like visiting different wineries um because thomas hayden church's character is about to get married so it's like a last hurrah of like Oh, after this point, you're not you're going to be in a committed relationship and and
1: everything. Um, well, at the end of the Vivage, Thomason is Hayden Church herself.
2: That's very good.
0: <laughs> I like that a lot. All right. Well, we've been here. Come the sequel. I mean,
1: <laughs> I don't even need to talk about it anymore. I'm so <laughs> sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Please interrupt my recommendation when I do mine.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but it's Paul you Giamatti and Thomas Haden Church beat hated Wh- wineries.
1: <laughs> They're going to wineries. <laughs> they meet some people.
2: Uh, uh, and and Paul Giamatti's character is like a super introverted, like shy guy who's like he he's recently divorced and he's um trying to get a a book published, but it seems to be like not making much progress. Um, and it's basically like the two of them, it's just like a fun character movie. Like the two of them pushing each other on the trip to, to do different things to, you know, uh, Paul Giamatti's character is a bit of a wine snob. So he's just constantly going on and on and on about like how you do wine tastings and things. Um, and Thomas Hayden Church's character is like, no, you need to like meet someone on this trip. Like you've been out of the game too long. Get back in it um and then he explores their relationships with the women that they find um along the way um yeah it's just uh it's just really interesting and i i, I like i don't i haven't seen any of uh, alexander Payne's other movies i don't think it's got like a very dry like almost british sense of humor to it um i don't know if he's british um, i don't think he is no. Okay, but it, it it felt very much like that to me, where it's just like this feels very like grounded and real, but also like they're kind of saying ridiculous things, but right. like everyone's playing it straight. I don't know. It really worked on that level. Um, and they, they it, it's just like flawed characters, like just doing things. It's not so much about like the plot. I don't know. It's a good like hangout movie type type thing, and it's only like two hours. Have you
1: seen Election? No. Oh okay, because I think he did that. Uh, he made Nebraska, which I remember really liking. The state? Yeah, he he invented it, founded it. It was amazing. What what's <laughs> what's his new movie called? Because I, I think can I remember? Because there's another thing on it. Max that they keep promoting that I every time I look at it, I'm like that's Paul Giamatti. It is definitely not Paul Giamatti. So I never <laughs> know if it's that thing or the or yeah. Uh oh, the holdovers. The holdovers. That's what it's okay, called. Yeah.
2: I remember seeing the trailer for it, and I was interested. So no maybe I'll watch it at some tremendous point. Tremendous actor, tremendous. Oh yeah, I mean, just just the sheer range of of the performances that he's able oh, to he give. Can do. Like, anything, yeah. Like just Sideways and the John Adams miniseries, like and just, the Rhino. I was gonna say and yeah. Big Fat Liar. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: Which I will make everyone
1: watch on the podcast at some point.
0: I'll do it. Yeah, let's figure out. Let's let's, let's make it happen. Let's find a
1: way. That and uh, Agent Cody Banks and Frankie Muniz has probably done one of their movie. There's two Agent Cody Banks movies.
0: Well, there you go. Yeah. Are they both theatrical? I believe so. All right. I may have seen the second one in theaters. (laughs) Now that I say it, I think there's nanobots. I, I believe there are nanobots. I think that was
2: my honeymoon. Are you are you telling me No Time to Die ripped off Agent Cody Banks too? Yeah, because <laughs> be that strange. would
3: be
1: really good. Sam Mendes, yeah. like, uh, uh not Sam Mendes. Who directed that? Oh, Fukunaga. Fukanaga. Uh, uh, uh,
2: it's it's not my favorite movie. I swear. He loves good spy fiction. What can I say? Sideways you know, is really good, and yeah, I recommend it, it if yeah. you
1: like hangout movies where people are people. Yeah, that's a good that's a good pitch. Um, I'm going to recommend, despite my earlier comment, a French film from 1973. <laughs> uh, I watched Francois Truffaut's Day for Night. This is a lovely movie uh, that's all about making a movie. Um, François Truffaut plays uh, the director of this this fictional film, and he, of course, is the director of the real movie, uh, or réalisateur, as they say in French. And it's a, a really neat movie because it's all about just the the pains and the glories and the the frustrations of making a movie, and it never really felt so uh celebrating as to become like self-congratulatory or annoying of like I get a it. movie's the best thing on the, on the planet and if you make a movie you're basically a hero like it never goes that far but it also doesn't go so far the other direction as to be so disenchanting that it becomes cynical um it's not disenchanting it treats it much more like yeah these people are going to work and they're dealing with like Oh, we this person can't remember their lines or oh wait, the this, you know, stunt rig isn't working out. Wait, how are we going to do this? Do you got the camera like that kind of stuff? Um it's very very grounded in that way. It's shot very beautifully. Um it's interesting just watching, you know, a director. I always find it interesting to watch a film set in a movie cuz I'm like, is there a bigger film set behind the camera we're looking through? <laughs> like at what point are you using the same boom mic you know yeah um, do you have to
2: like double up on the equipment exactly and suddenly exactly. like the production budget doubles because
1: you literally have two times the stuff precisely precisely <laughs> so all of that always kind of baffles me um the performances are, are very good the only people i recognize in eric truffaut and jacqueline Bisset plays the, the lead she's stunning um the lead of the movie uh, but it's just a really, it's a really neat movie that I've heard touted a lot in, in you know, like it's a Criterion movie and all this other stuff. But um, yeah, I quite liked it. I think it's an interesting movie about movies that that celebrates it without uh, putting it too high on a pedestal. Um, and that is Day for Night. And now that I've seen Day for Night and Alex has seen 400 Blows, we just got to get Tyler to see a Francois Truffaut movie. Um, uh, and then we'll all have one. Is, is Jules and Jim, is that...
2: A Truffaut
3: movie,
2: maybe? maybe. Let me check real quick. Um, yeah, just real quick. Uh, you know, yes, Four Hundred Blows is the only Truffaut movie I've seen, so I, I know I know cinema. Um, <laughs> but one of the things that I, I really appreciate about his style is kind of what you were saying, Britain, in terms of like tone. It doesn't feel like it's leading you one way or another. It does. Yes. It's not like emotionally manipulative. It's very it's presentational. Very, it's very observational yes. in the way that everything's presented, and I, you know, it's just. It's refreshing. Yes, agreed. Um, oh yes, Jules and Jim, nineteen sixty-two French New Wave romantic drama film. Oh,
1: Tyler, Tyler, uh, our friend uh, Peyton Reed knows a little bit about the French New Wave. Maybe we could call him. <laughs> <up>. <laughs> Set before and after
0: World War One. See, oh. see, the thing is, uh, uh, but but
1: not during. So there's a cut where they're all just like, "Well, that happened." <laughs>
2: what (laughs) see whoa uh, jules and jim should be a movie that i have seen because uh it is there's a big old like movie banner in uh tom cruise's apartment (laughs) in in vanilla sky of jules and jim (laughs) i I feel like this is a thing that i because
1: i latch on to things like this this should be something that I, i i should have seen I was like, Alex, you know, Churches is a really great band. I think you'd like them. You're like, I don't know. And there was one poster in Freaky, and he was like, I got to listen to this band.
2: <laughs>
1: I I will say, if I do
2: hear a, a song in a movie and it really catches me, like I I do, that is oh, kind me of too. how I hundred percent.
1: Hundred percent. I do like Churches, by the way. Great, I love them. Thank you for the recommendation. You're That's very how I welcome. Discovered them. You're very welcome. Terrific, Tyler. You got anything? T Riffick is also what uh, I call Tyler.
0: Spill that tea,
1: Tyler. Yeah,
0: I'm trying to figure out what Mississippi Mermaid is. That's a true <laughs> <name>. <laughs> I really hope that's a Truffaut movie. It is. Yes, no. Really? Okay. Like, I'm like, I'm on his filmography. Okay. I'm like, all Tyler, right. Let Tyler, me find
2: the movie. Tyler, you almost lost both of us at the same time, and you immediately <laughs> brought us back. That, that
1: is exa- that is the movie that should be Tyler's. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, know what, I don't know what I'm looking at, but like... Uh, yes, sure. I made the films I made Day for Night, or La Nuit American, I made pointe uh, uh Josie Jim, and of course I made Mississippi Mermaid. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, McConaughey's... Ah, <laughs> oh, boy. Anyway.
0: Um, it was remade in 2001 as Original Sin starring Angelina Jolie and... Antonio oh, wow. Banderas. What? Uh, why would you rename it? Yeah, this what? is perfect. <laughs> Cousin, and that was great. How dare you? Um, I. <laughs> they thought that people wouldn't
2: think it was a real movie.
0: <laughs> um, it was purely have, it was purely for marketing. <laughs> yes, yes. I have a couple of recommendations. Um, one is the comic Ice Cream Man. Um, which is a uh, I've had the first. Fun hardcover on my shelf for a little bit after seeing a bunch of recommendations for it, um, and feeling like it would be out my alley. Uh, and basically, it is a horror comic uh, about a very creepy ice cream man who uh, is sort of corrupting a small town, um, in, like the Midwest. And uh, mostly, it's 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 all kind of anthology, but it's also there's like an, an underarching. Storyline that like continues at least in the the first volume when I've read, um, continues to kind of ramp up and there's kind of more interesting stuff going on there. Behind the scenes, um, definitely appeals to me as you know the very like Lynchian idea premise, um, and it's just very well done. Art is fantastic and creepy and gross a lot of the time and done very well. I um, know it's written by W. Maxwell Prince and I do not remember who the artist is off the top of my head. I'll have to look it up. Um, But uh, yes, it it is quite good and quite interesting. And I I think more people should be aware of it. Um, I forget who publishes it. I see it on my shelf. It is image. I think it's image. My eyesight's bad. I can't tell if that's the image logo, but I'm pretty sure it is. Um, (laughs) So cool stuff there. Um, And then also, uh, Defunctland, who is a channel that I recommended before, put out a video called... I've lost my phone. A video called Journey to Epcot Center, a Symphonic History. Um it is a entirely non narrated documentary uh where the Kevin Purger, the guy behind the Funkland, worked with a composer to make a full score to score this basically like entire uh constructed solely from like footage, photos. Um, there's some, there's a, f- a handful of reenactments uh, that are like very kind of like straightforward and, and not you know overdone or anything like that, uh, just to like fill in fill in spots. Um, but like it's it's a totally just like visual only with the symphonic score uh, documentary of the wow. basically the construction of Epcot, the Disney World. Theme park from or the section of Disney World from uh the death of Walt Disney to the completion of it and like what you know how that how the vision kind of changed. Um and it's super interesting, like incredible creative swing that you don't really see in YouTube videos. Um Funkly and I've recommended before. Usually they're a little bit more like uh, they're they're always great, but it's it's usually a little bit more like here's a documentary, here I'm talking through like the things that changed throughout this time, they did one on the Wiggles recently. I don't know if I recommended nice. that, but like, that's, that's like a, this is about the Wiggles or about the Wiggles, theme park ride that ends up just being a backdoor documentary about the Wiggles. Um, <laughs> but like this one is, it's totally a different swing. It's incredibly interesting, um, really cool experience. And I would highly recommend you go check it out. If that sounds up your alley, there's also like a really cool like companion guide that like talks about the actual, uh, well, like give some more historical detail, as if you know there was a narrator, so you can get some information there. And, like give some notes on, like here's where I took a little bit of creative liberty, and here's where like this is exactly what happened. Um, and it's 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 very well put together, extremely interesting project. I think he's been, been working on it for a few years, um, and I would highly recommend anyone check it out. That sounds cool. Yeah. Um. Also, the nanobots are in the first Cody Banks. Yeah. Be aware of that.
1: <laughs> Duly noted.
0: Um if you wanna find out if I recommend the Mississippi Mermaid next time on Here Come Sequels, you can find us uh through regular podcast apps. You can find us online at herecomesequels.blogspot.com dot com. You can find us on Twitter slash X at here come eight eight at HCT sequels. Um we're on Blue Sky at Here Come Sequels for some reason <laughs> sure um and you can email us at comes gmail at com. i don't think i've really gotten many emails recently and i'm disappointed in all of you every one of you come on guys that it's means holidays. you, you, you listening to this right now send an email <laughs> pull over <laughs> joseph's actually sent a few i've not i've not reviewed these memes um podcast silence because i have to see i think these are these are uh memes that i can i can revisit i know we were we're close to the length of the movie podcast episode threshold uh so maybe we'll we'll hold off on that for now but uh maybe we'll revisit those joseph you're the only one i'm not disappointed in <laughs> S- send
2: us an email uh, of why you disagree about our opinions on the flash
1: yeah. Yeah. Why is it secretly brilliant? Yeah, come on Stephen King. Send us <laughs> an email. I'm also
2: Also uh, tell us why we shouldn't direct Evil Dead 6 or at least write <laughs> it. I mean, come on.
1: <laughs> um we are going back to our roots. We are going to do a franchise next. Uh, I think we know what we're doing. We'll definitely find out and you'll find out next week. Yeah um before to kind of lead into the holidays um it'll be fine
2: going um, back to our roots i guess is technically correct but also i vehemently
0: disagree <laughs> roots in the sense that we're doing a franchise <laughs> we we got we've got big plans and none of them include direct or uh, not directing none of them include they do include directing because we're going to direct evil Dead cruise control yeah um but uh None of our plans include uh, talking about Indiana Jones before the end of the year because we're treating ourselves.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. No matter uh, what, we are treating ourselves.
0: You can look forward to we're done. We're done. There's too there's too many movies this year. Too many of them we don't want to talk about, um, or we already talked about it and we didn't want to. Uh, it's all of the Flash's fault. Uh, <laughs> we're not dealing with it until next year. You know, sometimes that's future here come the sequels problems.
2: You know, sometimes it's that time of year you need to, to think about and really consider everything around you, the people in your life, everything that you've been up to, all the opportunities you took, some of the stuff you missed, and really decide what you're thankful for. And you know what I'm thankful for? Craven got pushed back. It's not our problem this year. I've been Alex.
0: <laughs> I've been Britain. I've been Tyler. And you're living deliciously.